0: Welcome, welcome to Interverse Podcast. My name is Chance and I'll be your host. Today, uh, this is season two, episode eight, talking to John Yintes. John is somebody I met on SoundCloud, actually, so thank you, internet. Um, Never even talked to him before this conversation, really, so this was a very fresh uh, introductory type of experience for myself and for you listening. And I'm very glad to be introducing you to John because he's very unique in terms of what he's creating. John is composing music for Japanese role playing game style applications. He's kind of freelance right now. He probably would be happy to make music for compositions like film and um, maybe whatever anyone might want his music for. So if you happen to hear the music that gets played in this or go check out his links and you want something like that for a project you're doing, you should hit John up. I'm sure he would be very interested in talking to you. Um, I had a hell of a good time talking to John. We really probably could have gone a lot longer, but we didn't. Uh, The song that you just heard was called City Catacombs. I'm going to play you guys into the interview with a song called Ascension. And yeah, John's music is super on point. You'll like it. doesn't matter if you're not into Japanese role-playing games. But if you are, then you'll like this episode because we're talking about some different things than what usually gets brought up on the show. Um, talking about stuff that I've always been interested in, like Final Fantasy, for example. And and maybe next time we talk, we'll get into some of the whole video games and reality metaphors that people often bring up, like simulation theory and that kind of thing. Because John's definitely going to come back. I had, a, like I said, awesome time talking to him. I hope you guys enjoy what he's doing, and go follow him on SoundCloud. Um, thank you for listening to the show. I love you so much. You're just beautiful. Make sure that 2017 is your bitch. And not like a bitch, but like, you know, your your bottom bitch, like your, your friend, your helper, whatever. Make 2017 work for you. And you do that by working on you. Alright. Take care of yourself. Enjoy the interview. Oh, please share the show. What's going
1: on? Hey, not much, man. Thanks for uh, inviting me on here. I appreciate it. You said you were feeling a little under the weather. I just had like a big allergy fit, <laughs> so now I've got the stuffy voice too. So we'll be in the same boat. Oh, it's uh, it's been pretty terrible. It's a lot of people have the flu over here in Japan right now. I think I caught the flu or something, man.
0: That's no joke either. Like, 100 years ago, people were dying from that kind of thing. So you yeah, got to be I careful.
1: Know, right? <laughs> you know, Every time I get sick, I watch, like, disease movies too, which doesn't help things at all. <laughs> like that movie Contagion. I feel like I watch that every time I get sick so I can entertain the idea that I might die in the near future, I guess. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that one, but uh, I remember watching
0: on sci-fi there is an episode of joe rogan's short-lived tv show uh joe rogan questions everything where he goes to the cdc and starts asking them about like infectious diseases and stuff like what are you worried about and they're just like dude we're so we're so fucked
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: they're all they're all like freaking out in their lab coats like it's just a matter of when it's right. something so yeah that's fun it's happen
1: eventually <laughs>
0: But yeah, it's just the time of year, energy just wanes in the uh in the winter time. Although, I don't know how's this how do the seasons work in Japan? Is it a little different? Um Well, be- where where are you from? Oh, that's a good question. I'm from right in the middle of the uh, US
1: in Missouri. Okay. Uh yeah, I I'm from um Washington DC. Okay. Actually, like northern Virginia, right outside DC. Um, I've never been to Missouri. Uh, I would say the climate here is, um, pretty much like mid East coast weather. It's not really much different, you know? Really? Yeah. It doesn't in Tokyo area, it doesn't usually get very cold. Fortunately, I mean, it never gets much below freezing. Uh, you know, maybe down like low thirties is probably the coldest it gets. It doesn't snow very often here either, which is good. Yeah, yeah, we seem to be getting warmer winters every uh, year over here. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe me, I know it's it's the weather's been getting crazy these past few years. So, are you cool with just jumping right in?
0: By the way, I mean, uh, we're yeah. already kind of just getting into it. I don't really care what we talk about if if we uh, want to talk about your music, at least some that would be great. But whatever other tangents we get on is fine because people will discover your music through. You know, being linked up, and um, with your permission, I'll use uh, some of your songs in the uh, like. I'll do a brief audio introduction to the uh, show, usually, and put songs in and an outro song, typically. So, yeah, awesome. You yeah. want me to use specifically? I could, you know, I could use those, or
1: I could just I, pick pick whichever you want, man. And anything is fine. I'm just, you know, I for me, it's uh, you know, the making the music and actually writing is a very Personal thing. You know what I mean? I don't really take anything lightly when I make it. So if anybody gets anything out of any specific piece that I've written, I just love that, man. That's like what I do it for, you know? If they can kind of get any sort of vision, you know, that's the whole reason that I write it is because I have that vision. So if I can give that to someone else and maybe inspire someone else's music, it's like the creative loop man it just keeps feeding and uh, that's what's so cool about doing this kind of thing you know I have the same kind of deal with uh,
0: graphic art just putting putting something down that means one thing to me but not caring who takes what from it and it's really exciting when somebody comes up to me and is like wow this and this is there and like this little design means this and I'm like whoa I didn't even know it meant that, but sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it can mean whatever the person wants it to mean. That's the great thing about it. It's like, um, something that is purely uh, a person's creative passion that they've made. It allows other people to connect to that same source of, uh, their own personal creativity. Like the imagination is a, a two-sided tool it's both a perception, a perceptual tool and, uh, creating type of tool so um, if you can give somebody a connection to their imagination through what they perceive in your creation it can help like ignite their own their imagination
1: and and, you know even then that they could write something where i inspired them and whatever they might have written might inspire me in return as well and that's happened before you know Mm -hmm. I've had people write things where they say, hey, I listened to one of your songs and it inspired me and I wrote this and they'll send it to me and uh, I'll listen to it and I'll be like, wow, you know, this is amazing. And this gives me some really good ideas as well. You know, it's, it's that's the beauty of doing this type of stuff, you know? Yeah, that positive feedback loop. It's like, it's kind of like how in music
0: itself, you have the ability to take two different sounds and harmonize them and the overtone that's created like that resonance is almost like creating something out of nothing and it's a it's very similar to the type of harmonizing that humans can have with each other uh through collaborating through bouncing things back and forth through just conversations even i oftentimes like come to realizations about what i think or how i feel about things on a much clearer level than I'm able to do in my own personal individual thoughts when I'm reflecting with another person. I think it's that same kind of like overtone resonance idea, just like in music. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can actually bring down bridges and buildings with that type of thing if you know the right frequency. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> you could, yeah. It's kind of interesting. It's almost like it really does almost seem like generating uh, it free energy. Like that's where if there's People talk about crazy, like uh, alternative energy technologies, like the zero point field and stuff like that, Um, ways of like Tesla talked about the fact that there was like electricity everywhere and you could tap into it. Mm. Um, If that's, I wonder if that works on a similar principle. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a physicist at all. I just like to throw science really hard to speculate.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't even get me started on Tesla, man. I could talk about that all day. <laughs> Maybe that's what we should talk about here. Uh, I mean, uh, he, th- that's, uh, I mean, I don't know. I feel like if I go into that, I'm going to get heavy into the conspiracy theorist side of things. Well, that's fun. I'm sure a lot of people listening would be like, oh, yeah, I need to know about some Tesla conspiracies. Uh, it gets pretty crazy. Well, what's well, your favorite thing about Tesla? Because like you were saying, you know, he there's like limitless energy everywhere that can be tapped into. And that was uh, basically his whole theory behind, uh, you know, his whole vision, I guess, was that you could have power in every home in the entire country that was free, limitless, renewable energy for everybody. Like, And the way he saw it was as like a human right more than anything else. While on the other hand, Edison, yeah. <laughs> the villain in this scenario, it was more along the lines of how can we monetize this? And I've, it, it's almost like, rather than having limitless renewable energy, which we may have had, through Tesla's vision, we now have a form of energy that can be monitored and charged. And, uh, you know, it's it, it's just uh, it's interesting. I feel like a lot of things in the world work that way. Well, it sets up a scarcity type
0: of game for the society, whereas the other way around, if like your base level energy was free and abundant and um, accessible to everybody equally, then it seems reasonable that like the whole culture would sort of be that way. Like there would be a big equality of access to just about any type of experience or life that you wanted. If you, you know, cause you're not, there's no um, scarcity for just basic resources. It's almost like a jungle where there's uh too much overgrowth and plants are like fighting for every scrap of sunlight versus um, a meadow where things have a big clearing and all kinds of free abundant sunlight.
1: Right. The
0: uh, I don't know that was a, maybe a weird analogy, but it's
1: no, not, no, I it, hey, it made sense to me. I, I understand what you're getting at, you know.
0: Tesla, speaking of Tesla, the uh, actual modern company, the Elon Musk company, yeah, they are uh, they're putting out these like cubes that are solar power cubes <laughs> attached to the side of homes and can generate crazy amounts of wattage, yeah, yeah, so they'll be like. I don't think we're very far away at all from Tesla actually achieving that dream. It's it's interesting that the way that that's coming is actually named Tesla. Also,
1: yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's long overdue because I mean the technology's been there for decades. It's just medicine you know,
0: people. He he electrocuted elephants and stuff. He was a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Real quick, before I go any further, I want to ask you, how do you pronounce your name? Uh, Yentis. Yentis. Okay, so John John Yentis. Yeah. All right, everybody, this is really late in the show, but welcome to the podcast, <laughs> John Yentis. Yeah, we just jumped right in. The conversation was too good to um, really, like, just stop, you know, Yeah. and uh, start over. We just immediately were right there. Uh, you're a good conversationalist. You warned me about that yeah thanks yeah i appreciate it you are too this is a this is our first time talking too so that's cool i love i love the magic of the internet because we get to connect like this i mean you're all the way over in japan um thing and we just kind of randomly bump into each other on soundcloud it's almost like like two ships crossing the vast ocean and and uh passing each other and like oh hey what are you doing (laughs) (laughs) yeah It's a big internet out there, but I was specifically drawn to your stuff because uh, I really, and maybe this hasn't come up on the show too much before, but I'm a huge video game addict and in a good way, I feel like they stimulate me and I don't overdo it. Like maybe when I was a kid, anyway, specifically the, uh, the genre of music that you create in the video game music world is like my favorite ever. I was always super into the final fantasy games and the, uh, the really great composer, um, Nobu, is that how you say his name, right? Nobu Uematsu. Yeah, he's legendary, but there's lots of other, uh, really, really good music in the Japanese, like, role-playing game genre. Yeah. Super fun that you're making that kind of stuff. Um, that's like, you know, that's like a very specific passion to want to follow. And, um, there's definitely, I'm sure you're finding that there's, like, opportunities there as soon as you take your steps, right?
1: Uh, well, you know, there's not as many opportunities in such a niche genre uh, as that, as you would think, because, you know, a lot of the people who make those games, big game companies like Square Enix, uh, you know, and they all have in-house composers that are those same guys. They are still doing those jobs. That's true. Uh, you know, I mean, we've gotten to a point where technology with, you know, MIDI composing on the computer, it's caught up to where anyone can do it if they have the resources to invest in it. But uh, the hard part is finding that sort of market to release that kind of music too. So I guess it's like, I can make some top tier good quality music, but I guess the next thing I would get into is the the biggest market right now for independent and freelance audio composers is probably for indie developers. A That's lot of what I was thinking too. Indie studios. And uh, while we've seen some JRPGs in that genre kind of popping up more and more recently, a lot of them really go after still the very retro, like chiptune kind of sound. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you're capable of creating
0: that kind of sound too.
1: Yeah. And uh, honestly, I feel like when I create like the bigger orchestral stuff, it's more out of self satisfaction than the actual, you know, business sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that that will find
0: its place. Like all you got to do is keep creating what is interesting to you. That's pretty much what any artist has ever said to me that is, uh, right. um, you know, living up living in a way where they get to actually create frequently that's sort of the goal like it's not about at least on, on my end it's not about necessarily having to support myself by my art i can support myself with a lot of other skills that i have but if i can live in such a way where i get to actually create that art regularly and it's a part of my daily life then i'm pretty happy
1: and i i couldn't agree i could not agree more with the way you just phrased that i mean Uh, You know, I have a career, like I don't do freelance audio design for a living. That's not like my primary job. That's, That's just something that I want to do, which is why I have the benefit of being able to have a bit of a more narrow focus in what I want to do. You know, I have that luxury because I'm not relying on it to make money. And to be honest, if I was, I probably wouldn't enjoy doing it as much as I do. Because you're turning, you know, pleasure into business. It take kind of takes the soul out of it a little bit, you know? It totally
0: does for some creators. I mean, you can kind of... It's kind of like everybody has that hipster attitude about bands that they like. Like, man, their <laughs> first albums were so much better than their later albums. <laughs> yeah. And that's not true for every... Like, that's not true for every creator. Some of them actually find a way to keep the... I guess the magic, for lack of better words, while, you know, making it their way of uh, sustaining themselves. But the ones that really do it tend to walk, tend to walk a more fine line, like, um, with their, with their security, like they're living really outside of a comfort zone to be able to just go around supporting themselves on art. I'm thinking of a lot of people I know that are like in the music festival world around where I live. I know a ton of, ton of people supporting themselves on their music production or their, uh, their painting or whatever. And it's, um, it does seem to be like, there's a lot of character growth in that, but because they're oftentimes it's pretty hard, hard scrabble for lack of a better word to, uh, Mm. constantly make ends meet off of just that. But those people do seem really, really happy and have a lot more freedom than, um, someone that's in a nine to five too. So, it's, it's interesting. It's like life is about trading, trading security and comfort for freedom and uh, like new experiences and things of that nature.
1: Absolutely. I mean, yeah, a lot of it comes down to how you want to live, how you choose to live, you know? Yeah, there's not really a right answer to that as long as you yeah, are satisfied I mean, exactly and growing. I was going to say, there is no right answer. It's, you know, it's all preference. I mean, there's plenty of times where I wish that or I just think about living with a lot less, which I could probably do. I mean, I've done it before, but you know, then you get to this point where you're pretty comfy with all of your luxuries that you have. (laughs) It's like breaking away from all that could seem kind of, you know, scary. It's like, you know, if I'm going to sacrifice anything, like what do I choose? How do I choose that? What do I really need? And uh, that's not always an easy question to answer, you know? Yeah. It's like being on the, uh,
0: The boat and having to and it's starting to kind of sink because there's like I say my my metaphor here is going to be like when you have a lot of security you have a lot of stuff and that Mm -hmm. can start to make your boat capsize and if you're trying to or at very least it's going to slow it down getting to the destination you want to get to and like Mm -hmm. for me for example this happened in in my life over the weekend I had some time off because of the holidays and stuff and I spent a, a a really long time almost an entire day just like organizing moving trying to fit all my possessions in my house in a way that's not like keeping making me feel cluttered and messing up the feng shui so you know i have a lot of things and i have a lot of security materially but then like just having stuff itself the more of the stuff that there is the less freedom you have in a in a given day because there's more to do so it's interesting. Like if I only had a few, like if I had fewer dishes in my cabinet, then I would have fewer dishes to do at a given time, for example, because I would not be able to just let it pile up. I have to do them when I need them. So there's a lot of ways that, like, streamlining. I think reducing. I could throw some things overboard and uh, move faster without necessarily losing things that I needed. Uh, it's just about finding finding those balances.
1: Absolutely, I, I'm all about balance. I mean, that's part of the reason why I moved to to Asia in the first place is because of that. You know. Yeah, I could totally see myself winding up in an Asian country. I actually,
0: and this isn't because of like the election or anything, I've, but I've actually been feeling for a little while like, um, after I've finished the next couple of years here, developing certain skill sets and things, I'm I'm working on, working with. I could totally see myself getting getting over to Japan or China or India or something for a good amount of time just to, just to literally expand, just to like, you know, for video game speak to uh, discover new spots on the map of my, right. my map of the world.
1: Yeah. It'll definitely change your view of the world when you see it from the outside, you know, or from a different place. How did it impact your view of the United
0: States to get out of the United States? Well. Um, Japan's pretty U.S. friendly.
1: Yeah, they are. And, uh, you know, I wanted to live here for most of my life, uh, to be honest. I can't probably ever since I was like in my early teens, I wanted to come here just because, you know, I mean, the video games, especially. I mean, it's just that's pretty much all I did. It was like I'd say video games and game music from my early days, like starting with, the you know, Final Fantasy four. Uh, which was two in the States and final fantasy three, it's like all that stuff changed my life as a musician. And it's like, when you think of where all that comes from, it's like, then you, I just went down the rabbit hole. I got really interested in Japan and uh, you know, then when I finally moved here, it's like coming here, it was pretty much everything that I expected. You know what I mean? I mean, I still got blown away by some things, seeing it with my own eyes, but uh, it, in regards to how I saw America, it wasn't so much that I saw the U.S. differently. It's more that it cemented my the views that I already had of the West, which is why I wanted to leave in the first place. You know,
0: it's like a homecoming for you.
1: Yeah, kind of. Yeah, that's what it really what it felt like. Because uh, it's the Western, and it's not just America. It's I mean, Western society it's um it's very egocentric mm-hmm. and when you come to most asian countries i won't say all because i haven't been to all uh there is just this astounding lack of ego people don't you know talk right from the front of their faces at you you know what i mean it's people are very polite here uh, calm they're not heavy on their opinions about things And uh, it's just it's very polar compared in comparison to where I'm from, you know, D.C., metro area, East Coast. It's like people are very opinionated. (laughs) It's uh, very different, you know, that yin and
0: yang seems to just exist everywhere that you look like there's anywhere there's polarization, then the opposite exists. Right. Absolutely.
1: It's the way of the world. Man, I want to visit Japan so bad. Uh, what part of Japan are you living in? I live in Kanagawa, which is right outside of Tokyo. It's like the suburbs of Tokyo, basically. I'm, uh, I have one more
0: Final Fantasy related question. What's your favorite, I guess it's two questions. What's your favorite Final Fantasy game for the gameplay and story and versus what's your favorite one for the music?
1: Oh my god! So hard to choose, right? I don't know. I can make adjust. a lot of enemies with this question. <laughs> 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 um, the best one gameplay and story is Final Fantasy VI, hands down. It's it's the best. Best villain. Uh, you know the music's great too. I, honestly, if I'm gonna pick my favorite music, though, it would be between Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy Tactics oh the original tactics different different composers actually yeah tactics was a guy named hitoshi sakimoto and he did the music for final fantasy 12 as well oh wow he had okay 12 has some 12 has a different feel to it but it's really good yeah yeah then i love the the music too like excellent composer but the boss fight music in 12 is is seven seven has an edge though like seven, because Nobuo Uematsu did a lot of the music for a lot of Final Fantasy games. I think that that was pretty much like his best that he ever did, uh, was seven. You know, he really stepped it up a notch with that game.
0: Yeah, that game just has a weird mystique to it all around. Like, it's got so much legend to it. I wonder how the whole remake is gonna shake out. <laughs> It's supposed to be released in episodes. That's what I heard, which I guess gives them more of an ability to actually get it done. makes sense to me because whenever you have something that big, especially in today's game developing world, there's so many aspects to the development going into it that like the time, uh, unimaginable amounts of time and work coding and preparing these things that are just... Obsolete after the because of how long it took them to get there. So, right. if you do it in smaller, bite sized chunks, you might be able to deliver the best thing that you can deliver right then, uh, as opposed to a game that feels wildly uneven in quality and uh, design.
1: We've kind of gotten to this point with the game design as well, especially with big a titles like that, where You know, like Final Fantasy fifteen just came out. I don't know if you have played that at all, but I haven't got to. I do want to, but I don't have a system. It's a great looking game, and it's it's really fun. It's amazing, but it, in terms of scope, it feels much smaller than previous titles, and it was the same with thirteen, and the same with twelve, and ten before it. It's just gradually like shrank, shrank down. And, you know, when you have games like Final Fantasy VII, it's like the world felt enormous in that game. So many different places. And uh, it's like, it it seems like the further we go towards realism, it's like it has to be compacted if they're going to release it within our lifetime, basically. You know, this last one spent 10 years in development. It's um, so crazy it's to think monumental, about. monumental if you think
0: about it that way, you know? Like how many man hours does that translate to? It's unimaginable. They probably have it documented somewhere.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: It's probably, do you think the amount of hours they spent developing it is going to be surpassed by the amount of hours people spend playing it? They have to, right? No, that's like,
1: surprisingly, you you would think so, but I, I mean, as a whole, maybe, yeah. But that's part of the yin and yang. <laughs> it, yeah, it depends. I mean, you know, the total clear time for that game, I think, is like about 40, 40 hours. Well, that's a that's a good amount. Then that's like about what a standard Final Fantasy game
0: yeah. takes if you don't spend too much time digging around with side stuff. Right. I've uh, been playing Final Fantasy IX on my cell phone. Uh, lately and I'm on di- what would be disc four if it had discs and flying around doing side things. Um it's it's great to have that on a handheld device because I nine might be my favorite. It's so tough between seven, eight, and nine for me. But mm. I really love nine for the uh I guess the insidiness of it, like how many references to past games are
1: right. it's into got it. a really strong sense of atmosphere, that one does. The world does have that really very specific
0: steampunky feel.
1: Yeah. I I really I also as far as pre-rendered like backgrounds are concerned, that so was the peak of of that style of game for sure. Yeah. yeah people don't realize how gorgeous
0: that stuff is because it was a PlayStation One game. So you'd think, oh, it's not gonna look that good. But these are like these are the backgrounds are sort of like with a play. They're they design an entire backdrop artistically and it's sort of static and your character runs around on top of it similar to how you would do like a painting for a set on a, a live play but they're able to you know it's like painting there and stuff oh there it is <laughs> final fantasy
1: 9 i actually i own uh i own every jrpg ever made for ps1 really yeah. that's a steep collection i bet yeah i have it all um i have a uh uh, old CRT television upstairs with an original PlayStation One. That's what I play them all on. Wow. So like class like that classic fuzzy TV. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's the nostalgia is real, man. If you ever get a chance to try it, I, I highly recommend it. Because I still have a PlayStation 2, but I don't have a
0: PlayStation One. But it basically is, I don't know, I think it renders out the same.
1: Yeah, they render you can play on either one. Yeah, I, I it's just, not uh, till the later consoles that start getting screwy with the backwards compatibility, right? And the rendering. I mean, the CRTV, the CRT TV, is the most important aspect of it. I think.
0: Yeah, just I definitely don't have one of those later. Yeah, no,
1: <laughs> and it was it was it was a hunt to find one of those in 2015. <laughs> I had to travel a long way to go get it.
0: A couple of months ago, uh, this is kind of random, but uh, a person at a music festival just randomly came up to me and gave me uh this big lens from an old large one of those tvs but like a big one yeah. and the uh the lens is like this weird anti binocularing effect if you look through it it makes everything get way zoomed out yeah. so like if you have like a little a bunch of action figures or something or if you uh, look through the lens put a camera through it it makes it look like it makes them look like real or something i don't know it's super cool that's pretty neat which festival was that the the festival was called uh hillberry harvest music festival it was like bluegrass alternative bluegrass and folk music style oh cool yeah that one's in arkansas i definitely like to run around to a lot of festivals because i meet the creative people that way i get to also, it's just you know fun to be outside and camping and listening to music
1: all the time. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. It's been a long time since I've been to a music festival.
0: So there's not a lot of that happening over in Japan, or it's just not I mean, something you There's a few. Have kind of there's
1: a few. I mean, you know, the Fuji Rock Festival is pretty good, but I mean, it it's, it doesn't really have the same feel uh, as a lot of music festivals in the U.S. do. Uh, you know they have a lot of big like big name bands at events like that, which is fine. I mean, but when I go to festivals, I like to see a lot of of groups that I haven't heard of before, you know it, it's it's has a much more intimate feel to it, you know,
0: yeah, the first time you're hearing the music whenever it gets really immersive whenever it's like being performed live, there's so many, especially. Especially people that have an analog slash digital hybridity going on, a lot of times their recordings just don't do justice at all to the way they turn out live because of the oh, fact that yeah. they like yeah they may be electronic music to an extent because it's produced but whenever they play it live the, the instruments give it so much more punch. And then of course you know the sub bass that can be achieved at those events versus mm. listening to it on like your computer speakers. It's a whole different world. Um,
1: it's, you know, that's funny to mention that, too, because, uh, I mean, you know, one of the genres I I really listen to a lot of is, you know, heavy metal. I mean, I love metal a lot. I mean, I listen to pretty much every subgenre of metal. But, you know, you had a lot of these bands coming out in the early 2000s. And uh, even now, that's like, uh, I guess, deathcore is what they call it style of music, which, you know, I mean, death metal was kind of like old school, you know, started in the late eighties, early nineties. Deathcore kind of takes that same sort of thing, but it has this really heavy produced studio element to the sound, you know, where it's just like the drums sound perfect. You know, the guitars are just this thick wall of sound. And then when you see a band like that live, they never do justice to the studio sound. It never even comes close. And it's funny because usually when you see a band live, it's like sounds 10 times more amazing because it has this life to it that you have never seen or heard on the LP before. And uh, with a lot of these metal bands that do that, it's the total opposite. You get this total underwhelming effect from it. And it's, it's really weird, you know?
0: Yeah. um, I mean, I guess I wouldn't tell them what to do if they're right here in front of me, but maybe they'd be better off just getting a laptop out and doing a DJ set. Like DJ Deathcore.
1: I feel like we're not far off from that. Like, you see those memes on social media all the time that it's just like, uh, come see my computer live (laughs) with his laptop in front of a big crowd. It's, you know, it's a weird,
0: it's a weird gray area, I guess, but there's, I feel like there's just room for any type of expression. If the way that you make your music requires you to have to perform it by just using your laptop or that's all the equipment you have, but you put a lot of time and energy into the production of that music and you craft the set in a way that really matters to you. And you find some way to be engaged with it while you're performing it with your yeah. energy. I, I don't think that it's wrong to just use a laptop and play a set like that, but oh, I, I just am not really as impressed. Agree. I'm not as impressed. This, it's a fact. Like when I see somebody DJing with actual tables or um, even if yeah. they're digital and we're like, you know, bass nectar. Yeah, absolutely yeah, whenever he plays live, he usually has like eight decks going at once. Like that is a whole nother level of performance. And I feel like if that's what you aspire to, to be a really great performer, that's your thing. But you could also aspire to just really, really work hard at producing. And that could be your thing. And people are still, there's enough people in the world that it doesn't matter what way you do it. Someone could like what you, enough people would like what you're doing that it's worth trying to get, not just make it, but also put it out there for others to connect to because it's,
1: it's good. Yeah, no, absolutely. I totally agree. <laughs> yeah, we're just in a big agree fest here, man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we agree about everything. We're not challenging each other's opinions at all. Hey,
1: great minds think alike, man. I yeah. guess so. Very agreeable guy. <laughs> uh,
0: well, I really appreciate you coming on the show here. Um, I want to ask you if there's anything you want to particularly point people to. Uh I also want to make sure, you know, you're totally invited back if you ever want to come back on and talk about anything or put put some uh, promotion out there for music you're releasing. I have an open door policy to all cool guests of the show to just get me up and come back
1: on. Well, yeah, I'm working on another another piece right now that ought to be a pretty big one. Uh, trying to outdo the last one that I just did is going to be a, a pretty huge undertaking. Cause uh, that was probably, like seven minutes long. Yeah. Yeah. The, the threads good. of fate. Yeah. That one's
0: really epic. It, I've gone on many internal journeys, um, listening to your music and also video game journeys, playing it while, uh, playing final fantasy 14. That's basically the only game I've been playing for several months. That's awesome, man. You don't play 14, do you?
1: I did for a long time and I stopped when Heaven's Word came out. Yeah. I came back to it
0: after Heaven's Word had been out for a while.
1: And my, my biggest problem is most of my real like life real life friends, they all play World of Warcraft and that's it. They don't play anything else. And uh, you know, I played it for a long time too, but I was like, hey, Final Fantasy 14 looks awesome. Try to get people on the bandwagon, and well, nobody wanted to join me. So, oh well. Well, if you jump back into 14, I'll craft you really good gear. Awesome. That is. That sounds great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'll make sure and link to all your uh, SoundCloud stuff and anything that you mentioned to me later to, to link. And we'll do this again in a few months, hopefully. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man, I love talking to you. Super, super honored to even get to do this because I particularly just get I just get stoked whenever a a strange a strange random person from the internet just pops up and then we get to talk and really connect. Like this is
1: man man, likewise. Yeah, thanks so much for inviting me on, man. It was a great experience. I'd definitely like to come back. Cool. Well, take care of yourself, man. Much love and we will be in touch. All right. Thanks, man. Take it easy.